On this episode of the Blue Jacketeer podcast, we will be covering chapter 11 of the Corman Manual. Welcome to the Blue Jacketeer podcast, where we help you prepare for the Navy-wide advancement exam by covering study material created by highly qualified sailors. Learn more about what we have to offer at www.bluejacketeer.com. Welcome back to the bluejacketeer.com podcast for Hospital Corman. I'm Taylor Larson, and I'll be walking you through this chapter of the Corman Manual. Here at Blue Jacketeer, we aim to bring you the tools you need to be successful on the Navy-wide advancement exam. On this episode, we'll continue with the Hospital Corman Manual covering Chapter 11. Be sure to pay attention, because on the next episode, you'll be quizzed on what you learned today. Without further delay, let's get started. Sit back, relax, and listen up. This is Chapter 11 of the Hospital Corman Manual, Fundamentals of Patient Care. We live in a a wonderful time of increased communication and technological advancement. For our patients, this translates to better and more effective care, as well as faster and more accurate information about their healthcare needs and treatments. Today's chapter will introduce you to some basic concepts of providing care to individuals seeking healthcare services. At the core of this lesson and our jobs, there is an implied duty to educate our patients about their health and wellness. Health refers to the mental, physical, and emotional state of being, which enables the proper performance of one's vital functions. Wellness is considered a state of soundness of mind, body, and spirit, and being free of pain or discomfort. When someone needs assistance with maintaining their health or wellness, they turn to healthcare professionals. As Corman, you are tasked with providing every patient in your charge with the best care possible. You have to understand the patient's rights and responsibilities as they pertain to providing and receiving healthcare services. The Joint Commission's goal is to promote excellence in providing healthcare services. To this end, they have created standards addressing the rights and responsibilities of patients. You can find out more information about patient rights and responsibilities within BUMED Instruction 6300.10 Series, Chapter 3. Every person on a healthcare team has a set amount of responsibilities and limitations. This is called the scope of practice. The effectiveness of your scope of practice is based on your knowledge and development of your skills within. You can find occupational standards for Corman within NAVPERS 18068 series, chapters 40 and 41. Now, if you're listening to this, you're very likely a Corman. As a Corman, you're part of Navy medicine, and you need to carry yourself as such. The caduceus insignia you wear on your dress uniform sleeve, belt buckle, or even collar marks you as a member of a prestigious corps worthy of respect. Limitations placed on healthcare providers are called standards of practice. A mature and responsible individual will recognize, accept, and demand that these limitations be respected. Accountability is part of the professional ethics that are key to service with distinction. Accountability for the actions that you take, and continuing to grow in knowledge and competencies to deliver the best healthcare service possible. 
Malpractice is when improper care is delivered because of negligence or going outside of your standard of practice. Speaking of professional ethics, it happens to be our next topic. Ethics is a system of moral principles or standards of conduct that govern the appropriate conduct for a person, group, or profession. Upholding medical ethics is the responsibility of all corpsmen. All corpsmen take the corpsmen pledge upon completion of core school, and it morally binds us to certain responsibilities and rules included within. The one thing that makes healthcare ethics different from general ethics is the inclusion of the moral rule, do your duty. Corpsmen have to develop many personal traits to uphold the standards of the hospital corps. To begin understanding them, you can read Military Requirements for Petty Officers 3rd and 2nd Class, NAVED Tray 14504. As healthcare providers, it is important for us to develop good interpersonal relation skills. As we provide care to a patient, it's important to see individuals as thinking, feeling people. Many factors come into play when regarding and responding to other people, so let's talk about them. Now, I'm about to throw some definitions at you. Don't tune me out. These can all be on the test. So, culture is defined as a group of socially learned, shared standards and behavior patterns. Race is a term assigned to a group of people who share inherited physical characteristics. So, this can be an asset when assessing the patient's needs, and planning and carrying out direct care activities, and implementing patient education programs. We all know that it can have a potential to create a negative environment that can feed social illnesses and allow for destructive behaviors. But as corpsmen caring for the patient, it's our responsibility, both legal and moral responsibility, to give our patients care without regard to race, creed, uh, gender, political views, or social status. So, race can be an important component in the care of a patient. For instance, African-American men and women tend to need higher doses of medication, while Asian men and women tend to need lower doses. There are additional communication factors that can come into play that are listed in the Corman Manual on page 11-TAC-5 and 11-TAC-6. Some of these include religion, gender, and age. One thing that I want to specifically touch on here is something that we've seen repeated on the test before. So anytime you're examining or treating a patient of the opposite sex, a standby has to be present. There are some rules for the standby. The standby can be either gender, but preferably the same as the patient if that's what the patient requests. So going further into the idea of the communication process, let's go over some more things that we know for a fact have been on the test. There are four basic parts to this, the sender, the message, the receiver, and feedback. The sender starts the communication process. The message is the information that's being sent to the receiver. The receiver is the one the message is meant for, and feedback is a response from the receiver. Feedback is used to validate if the communication has been effective. So other than just those four parts, there are additional levels of communication. There's verbal and nonverbal. Both are ways that the communication process can take place. Verbal is obviously communication using words, while nonverbal communication is much more broad. This can be dress, gestures, touching, body language, even face and eye behavior, and also silence. 
So we all know that not every instance of communication goes from the sender to the receiver so flawlessly. Sometimes obstacles and barriers can interfere with the message. Now these barriers can take many forms, so they're classified into a few different types. These are physiological, physical, or psychosocial. So getting away from barriers, which tend to have kind of a negative connotation when you're talking about communication, let's go into listening. It's just as important as the actual message, and especially for healthcare workers. There are some skills associated with this that can help increase how proficient we are at listening. Some of these are hearing the speaker out, focusing on ideas, removing or managing distractions, maintaining objectivity, and concentrating on the immediate interaction are all things that you want to continuously keep in mind so that you can better your skills as a listener. To help with this, with listening and feedback, the Patient Contact Program was created. It's essentially how patients can provide feedback to MTFs and DTFs concerning their care and experience at a facility. It's important to think of healthcare as a sort of customer service. If you're rude or impersonal and a customer leaves a survey about the clinic or you specifically, you can typically expect the wrath to be swift and vengeful. However, if you receive a positive piece of feedback, oh, just kidding, that doesn't happen. I mean, how many times have you seen a sailor on the cover of the Navy Times for doing something positive? Right. Continuing the topic of communication, we need to talk about therapeutic communication. This is the face-to-face process of interacting that focuses on advancing the physical and emotional well-being of a patient. Now, that was a very textbook definition, so let's go beyond that and explore why this even exists. The idea of therapeutic communication is best imagined in, say, a sick call visit. A soap note, or SF600 specifically, is a good outline for therapeutic communication, except we're going to sum up the four parts of the soap note into three parts. At first, we all know the provider will sit you down and ask what's wrong. That's the first part of therapeutic communication, collecting info to determine what's wrong. The next part is done in both the O and the A, and a portion of the P of the SOAP note, assessing and modifying behavior. This means that we, while listening to the patient, look for some key areas that can tell us what's wrong, and then follow that up with how to mitigate or eliminate the issue. The third and final part, again talking about therapeutic communication, involves the P again, in that it stresses providing health education to the patient. So just to review, we've got collecting info to determine what's wrong, assessing and modifying behavior, and providing health education as the three parts of therapeutic communication. Now, the end of this chapter goes over the SOAP note, but first two things. A, you all graduated core school, so unlike most things, even this level of knowledge is kind of assumed. And B, I, I essentially just went over it with therapeutic communication. But for the sake of testable information, I'll trim down this last section to some key defining attributes of each. Really quick. First, SOAP is an acronym, and it stands for Subjective Objective assessment and plan. Subjective is the patient's descriptions. These can also come from a family member though. Objective is what you yourself can see, hear, touch, feel, or smell. 
Things like an obvious decrease in range of motion or vital signs readings will go here. Assessment is the preliminary diagnosis, and plan includes things like lab, radiology, medication orders, treatments, a referral, sick and quarters disposition. So I know this was short, but the chapter is short. So this concludes our lesson for chapter 11 of the Hospital Corman Manual. I hope that you were not only able to learn something, but also apply some of the information in this chapter to your daily duties. Remember at Blue Jacketeer, we bring you the very best in advancement exam preparation. Don't forget to listen to the audio quiz for this lesson to review some of the knowledge that we've gone over. Also, make sure to look for our next lesson. We'll be covering chapter 12 of the Carmen Manual. As always, I'm Taylor Larson, reminding you to stay Navy and always keep working for that next rank. Thank you.